You might have seen the stories in Vanity Fair and Vogue. You do know about the Asher Collection being donated to the Library of Congress, don't you? Actually, I'd seen both articles. The fashion shoot in Vogue and the VF piece, The Rise of Wall Street's Recovery Whiz Kids. Rebecca was the glamorous protege of billionaire investor guru Sir Thomas Asher, philanthropist, adventurer, and owner of a highly successful and exclusive New York investment firm, the eponymous Thomas Asher Investments. As for the library donation, you'd have to be living in a cave for the past few months not to know that he and Lady Asher were making one of the most significant gifts to the institution since Thomas Jefferson sold his personal library to replace what the British burned during the War of 1812. A collection of rare architectural drawings, maps, paintings, newspapers and correspondence relating to the design and planning of Washington, D.C. Curiosity outweighed anger, and wine washed away some of the old hurt, so I told Rebecca I'd meet her. I even agreed to be her guest Saturday evening at a black-tie gala honoring her boss's philanthropy and patronage of the arts. When she said it was rumored the president would attend, I nearly asked, President of what? until I realized whom she meant. The next morning I thought about calling back and explaining that something had come up, but I didn't. Washington, D.C. shares a common bond with Brasilia and Canberra, since all were invented to be the capital of a country. Carved out of Maryland and Virginia, and originally intended to be no more than a seasonal meeting place to conduct the nation's business, Thomas Jefferson referred to it as that Indian swamp in the wilderness. A graceless, dirty backwater born out of controversy, greed, and deceit. Charles Dickens called Washington the City of Magnificent Intentions. My late father, Leland Montgomery, said it was the place everyone who didn't want to live in the United States went to live. My French mother didn't agree with any of them. She was captivated by the classic elegance of a city designed by Pierre L'Enfant, a fellow countryman who envisioned broad, Versailles-like diagonal avenues overlapping a grid of streets resembling spiderwebs and graced by wedding-cake public buildings of columns, domes, pediments, and porticos in homage to the architecture of ancient Greece and Rome. When my brother, sister, and I were kids, she often made the one-hour drive into town so we could explore the museums, monuments, art galleries, parks, and theaters. After she died, I realized I'd become as seduced by Washington as she had been, but I also knew its dark, violent side away from the federal city, where drugs, crime, and poverty gave the place its other name— murder capital of the United States. Rebecca had booked a suite for us at the Willard Hotel, two blocks from the White House, and a stone's throw from the National Mall. The Willard is an iconic landmark, a place of old-world elegance and luxury, with its lobby of elaborate mosaic floors, coffered ceilings, marbled columns, and federal-style furniture grouped in discreet seating areas throughout the room. 
Its nickname is The Residence of Presidents, because every U.S. president since the hotel opened in 1850 has either visited or stayed there. Other luminaries on the guest list include Mark Twain, Houdini, Walt Whitman, Jenny Lind, and Mae West. Julia Ward Howe wrote the Battle Hymn of the Republic while staying there. Martin Luther King Jr. wrote his I Have a Dream speech at the Willard. A valet held the door as I walked into the splendid lobby, past an enormous vase of hyacinths that graced a table of inlaid wood and mother-of-pearl. The old-fashioned clock above the mahogany and marble front desk said quarter to one. I gave my name to the clerk behind the desk and pulled out my credit card. He waved it away. It's taken care of. He reached for something from a bank of pigeonhole mailboxes that lined the wall.